We've been working through a series called Grow. Uh, We've been talking about how Christians grow spiritually, and this growth only happens through God's power, the Holy Spirit's work and involvement in our lives. Uh, I've told you guys that we as Christians are not passive that we need to be actively working alongside of God, that God asks for our participation in growth. Uh, We've seen this graph several times in our series. I've brought it to you guys about every other week, I think, as we've been working through this. But the process of spiritual growth and what that looks like, the steps along the way, and sometimes we take a step in learning and learning how to obey, and then we stop obeying and fall back, and we have to relearn again how to obey and apply those things. It's through God's Word. It's through the Holy Spirit's work. And it's the process of how we progress from being a new believer in Jesus Christ to being someone who is mature in Christ. A process that is a lifelong process. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen immediately. You're saved and then all of a sudden it's, it's over. It's a process that will be completed when we meet Jesus, when we see him face to face. There's a popular toy. It's been out for many, many years. Most of you probably have seen this toy, played with this toy. You have that toy. You had that toy. This is, well, he has the glasses, they're in the back. This is our, our toy from home, this is our Mr. Potato Head. Uh, you're familiar with Mr. Potato Head, right? You've seen him, and as I was looking at things this week, I never realized, maybe I'm too young, but I didn't realize that Mr. Potato Head actually used to be a potato. Like, you can't, got the pieces of Mr. Potato Head and you put them on a potato. I didn't know that. Apparently I'm not old enough to know that, but I know that now. But if Mr. Potato Head didn't have his pieces, what would Mr. Potato Head be? Just a potato, right? Just a little plastic potato with some holes in him. Mr. Potato Head needs all of his pieces in order to be Mr. Potato Head. (laughs) There we go, Mr. Potato Head. He needs all of his pieces. What's similar is it's true about God's church as well. The church needs all of the pieces of the church in order to function. They are necessary for the church to function as God has designed it. God created the body of Christ in such a way That for us to grow, in order that we would grow as individuals, in order that we would grow as a body of believers, he put us together in a specific way. We need each other. In the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to be in Ephesians and then 1 Corinthians. In Ephesians 
chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Paul writes this. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, the whole body, joined from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So Paul states here, we need to, verse 15, grow up in every way, right? We're to be growing up, but how does that happen? It says, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Each part needs to be working properly. Well, so I asked the question then, what does it look like for the body of Christ to be operating properly? How does that work? How does that look? How does the body growing properly affect its growth then turn with me over to first corinthians 12 it's where we're going to be most the rest of our day today first corinthians 12 verse 12 we're going to be reading verses 12 through 26 for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body though many are one body so it is with christ verse 13 For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink the one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the hand or the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. That there be no, may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Paul gives us an analogy here that's much like our little friend, Mr. Potato Head. He says it's important for each of the parts of the body to function as the way God designed them. The human body consists of many parts. The head, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the mouth, the arms, the legs, the feet. Each of those parts is important. 
Paul makes then a comparison, and he kind of jumps back and forth between this physical comparison of the parts of the physical body to a spiritual comparison to the parts of the church, the body of Christ. We know that the head of the body of the spiritual church is Christ, but each of us are to function in a way that brings honor to Christ. You see, this analogy can help us to understand how the church is supposed to be growing. That means church as individual believers and church as a body of Christ. We are to grow. So God designs the church to promote growth. God designs the church in a way to promote growth. This can be both the individual church, like we are a local body of believers, and it also means the church, uh, the larger church, those that are worshiping in other countries, in other states, in other places. He designs the church to promote growth. So how does he do that? What does that design look like? Well, it starts with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit unites us. The Holy Spirit unites us. If you look one verse before the text we read this morning, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11, all these, talking about all the gifts that Paul's listing in, in chapter 12 here, he said, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. Verse 13, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Paul is emphasizing that the Holy Spirit was given to believers to teach and empower us in our faith. He unites us under a common faith and belief in God's work through Jesus Christ, his life, death, burial, and resurrection. The Holy Spirit works to unite us under what God has already done. In chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, it says there is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. The Holy Spirit unites us in beliefs, what we believe we unite under the saving power of Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean that we agree on everything. We may have some different beliefs, but if you're a Christian here today, I should be able to say that we all believe that Jesus Christ came to die and save us for our sins. And that payment that was made brings us eternal life. Brings us everlasting life that that payment that was made brought us, can bring us into a relationship with God if we accept that, if we believe in that. I think John 3.16 sums it up well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's one of the first verses a lot of us probably learned we memorized. Because it sums up the gospel message. It sums up the things that we are to believe as a church that we're to be unified together in through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So the Holy Spirit unites us. Secondly, God arranges each member of the body. God arranges each member of the body. 1 Corinthians 12, go back a few more verses. Verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but at the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Paul says it here. There's a varieties of service. There's a varieties of activities. There's a variety of gifts. There's a variety that God gives to us. He doesn't say, okay, Roger, I'm going to give you these gifts. Tom, I'm going to give you the same exact gifts. Randy, I'm going to give you the same exact gifts. He says, no, there's a variety of gifts. There's a variety of activities. There's a variety of service. And God's going to give them to different people. And God arranges each member of the body the way that will help the church to best function. God gifts and blesses each believer specifically for the local church. There's no mistake why you are part of this church. You have gifts, talents, desires, abilities, experiences that God has given you. They're to be used for his honor and for his glory. Paul is saying that God's design here is, it includes a lot of variety. He is a creative God. Think of the way God created the earth. He didn't create a bunch of clones. We all look the same. We all dress the same. We all act the same. We all know. Every snowflake, well, I shouldn't start talking about snow yet, but every snowflake is unique, right? God designs things very unique because God is a creative God, and he uses that in the gifts and abilities and talents that he gives to those in his church as well, and he arranges those as part of his body. Warren Wearsby says this in his, in his commentary. He says, diversity does not suggest inferiority. Diversity does not suggest inferiority. What he's saying there is we all have diverse gifts. We're all a little different, but that doesn't mean that we have a hierarchy. doesn't mean that my gifts are more important than anybody else's gifts. There are times when each person in the church may rise up because it's their specific gift set that needs to work in that moment. Each of us possess gifts, abilities, talents, talents, experiences that are equally important to the church in order to help it function the way it's supposed to. So the Holy Spirit unites us. God arranges each member of the body. Third, each function helps the church live, grow, and serve. Each function helps the church to live, grow, and serve. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 17, it says this, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. You know this verse. You've probably heard it before. I've probably said it before. Iron sharpens iron, and so one man sharpens another. We can sharpen each other 
as part of God's design for the church. God designed it so that we minister to one another. Without other believers, I believe our faith would remain stagnant. We wouldn't be growing in our faith. We need other believers to challenge us. We need other believers to encourage us. We need other believers to teach us and help us in our growth. You know, there are 59 times in the Bible where the word one another or each other is used in a command. Some of you may know this, the one another's of Scripture. Here are just a few of the one another's. And as we practice these one another's, it helps us to grow with each other. So the first one is love one another. Do you know how many times it is a part of that 59? 15 times we're told specifically to love one another. Do you think it's important that it's repeated that many times in Scripture, sometimes back-to-back in verses, that we are to love one another? In the passage in Ephesians, what did Paul say? Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love were to grow up. And then at the end he said, When each part is working properly, makes the body growth so that it builds itself up in love. Paul's talking about growth there. Do you think it's important that he bookends that with love? Do you think it's important that we're told 15 times that we need to love one another? Do you think it's important that after talking about all the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, what does Paul talk about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? He does a whole chapter on love. Because it's important that we need to be loving one another. Love is the central message of the gospel. And it's the way the church is supposed to be functioning with one another. So love one another, that's the first one. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Live in harmony with one another. Instruct one another. Be patient, bearing with one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. If you're trying to write all these down, you should probably stop. Your, your hand is going to cramp up. Uh, Forgive each other, care, carry each other's burdens, encourage each other, pray for each other, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Build each other up. Without one another, we can't function as a church. We need each other. Without believers, all we would have is a building. All that would be here would be just a building. The importance of the church is us as the body, functioning as the body. Without other believers, our growth is going to suffer. Yes, God does the growth, but many times he uses other people in our walk. Now, if you were trying to write all those down, I did all the work for you. There's a list in the back. (laughs) Cindy's Cindy's rejoicing. There's a list in the back that has all 59 with the verses and references there, so you can grab one of those on your way out if you'd like one of those. 
um, all of the one another's, the each other's in the Bible. As we're doing those in others' lives, it helps us grow. I, I've had people in my life who have done the one another's. That's parents, Sunday school teachers, professors, colleagues, friends that have helped me to grow, that have helped me to learn more about Christ. So God's design for the church, how it's promoting growth. Fourth, he gives a variety of gifts which cause dependence. So God's giving us this variety of gifts to care for one another, to suffer with one another, to rejoice with one another. I was reminded in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 15, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Did we have that opportunity this morning? Yeah. There are those who are rejoicing right now in praises in their life. And there are those who are mourning, who are weeping right now because of things that are going on in their lives. And as a church, we join in. We say, I'm going to experience those emotions with you. I'm going to come alongside and help you. Sometimes it's just being there. But we're rejoicing with those who rejoice and we're weeping with those who, who weep. You see... He gives a variety of gifts and that causes dependence because God doesn't give every gift to one person. It's vital for us to rely on each other. It's vital for us to lean on each other. I must rely on you and the gifts God has given to you. You have to rely on me and the gifts that God has given to me. And together we have to rely on each other as a church and the gifts that God has provided for our church. Not all of us can say, well, it's just about the eyes. You wouldn't be able to see anything without the eyes. Not all of us would say, well, it's not important to have feet. But it's together working with one another recognizing God's gifting in each other's lives. I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever gotten up in the middle of the night and you stub your toe on something? What happens? Ah! What do you do? Reach for your toe. Then you're doing this dance, right? <laughs> What's happening? Your whole body is responding to that pain that you have in your toe. What are we to do as a church? The whole body is to respond when there's rejoicing. The whole body is to respond when there's weeping and everything in between. Those are the bookends there. Rejoicing with those who rejoice, weeping with those who weep, and everything in between. Your body responds when you experience that pain. Have you ever been to a football game or a sporting event? What happens when they make the touchdown? Yeah! Whole body, right? Your, vow, your voice, you stand up, you cheer, right? You're rejoicing with those who rejoice. That's what it should look like as a church. We're rejoicing with those who rejoice and we're weeping with those who weep. 
all parts of the body are different, right? But God arranges them in such a way that they need to depend on each other. He doesn't arrange them like this. He puts them in the way that he needs to. He, he puts them in places where they can flourish in their gifts, where they can grow and they can serve him. All the parts are different, but we have to rely on each other for each other's gifts. So closing this morning, God designed his church to be a community of believers who function to help one another grow. God designed his church to be a community of believers who function to help one another grow. We do this by fellowshipping, by caring, by serving each other, by teaching, by suffering with one another, by rejoicing. Do you know that the one another's, those can be done inside the church. They can be done outside the church. They can be done in isolation if we end up in quarantine again at some point. They can be done in fellowship. They can be done at any time. Have you ever thought about Paul? Paul was in prison, and he was still doing the one another's while he was in prison. And so we're still called as a church to be a community of believers who function as God has called us to function. We're using our gifts to serve him. But the fact is we need each other to grow and develop in our faith. Would you pray for me? Pray with me. God, we thank you for your design. We thank you that you put entrusted people to serve you with the gifts that you give to them. God, we thank you for your love. God, help us to use your love in all of our actions. That the things we do, that the ways we serve would be first immersed in love. That the gifts that you have given us would first be immersed in love. God, help us as a body of believers to be unified under the Holy Spirit. God, help us to function in such a way that brings you honor and glory and praise. We thank you for the way you've arranged the body. Help us to live and grow and serve you both individually and as a whole church. God, we thank you for your son. God, we thank you for all that he did so that we could come back into a relationship with you. So that we could, could find out how to serve you. God, so we could Love you because of the love that was poured out for us. God, I just pray that you help us no matter where we're at as a church.
whether we're in this building or outside this building, whether we're in our homes or in our workplaces or in our school or wherever it is we are, that we are able to live our lives in such a way that we're still representing your church. That we're still representing the body of Christ, doing the one another's and lifting each other up. We're bearing each other's burdens. They were carrying each other's needs. They were teaching each other. That we're encouraging one another. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.